Bass Edge Radio. Commence broadcast in three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing coming to you nationwide from the Bass Edge Studios. It is tax time. That's right. April 15th. They're due, people. Get them in. But while you're driving to the mailbox or driving to your CPA, you've got us, Bass Edge Radio. <laughs> I don't know if that's uh, if that's better than having to pay your taxes there, Kurt, or not. <laughs> but regardless, we are glad you're here, like Kurt said. And uh, hopefully you don't have to pay a lot in and get rid of that money. Hopefully you can use some of that on fishing. But it's one thing that will help keep more money in your pocket by taking care of that boat is by using one of the MegaWare KeelGuard products. Many, many to choose from. Of course, they are known for that first do-it-yourself keel protector with 3M adhesive. Be sure to check them out at KeelGuard.com. Man, Aaron, that's good stuff. Also, cannot forget, if you folks haven't been venturing over to the BassEdge.com website, we have been putting up every episode, we're putting up a new video and a new article generally tied into helping improve your fishing. So uh, make sure you go over to the BassEdge.com website, check out the videos. We've got all kinds of pros, you know, talking about different tips, tactics, weather condition scenarios about how to catch fish. So uh, a lot of great information that we're providing also over there at BassEdge.com. So be sure you check out those articles and videos for sure. There's been, uh, I know this month we got a cool tip from Timmy Horton about spring rains and man, it's just all kinds of stuff. So make sure you go over there and check that out. Well, and kind of keeping with that same theme of education and saving money, Kurt, this next little bit is actually going to be for free. And of course, we're talking about some of the cool stuff that we've been doing through the social media on the giveaways. Yeah. You know, yeah. hundreds of dollars, right? We're not talking about a tackle pack that uh, with some soft plastics and a, you know, tornado spinnerbait. I'm talking about the real goods, uh, you know, $189 flex step. We've done, obviously, the Bass Angler Magazine full yep. year subscription. We've yep. got some other things that I don't want to throw out there just yet, but certainly in the past, we've done $100 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift cards. So this is the place that I would encourage everybody, participate with us. Let's have some fun. Our sponsors are on board, and there's nothing better than we like doing is to uh, you know send out that free stuff and get that on its way to a lucky Bass Edge Nation listener. Yeah, you never know. Maybe at some point, Nitro will do a boat giveaway. You know, yeah, all, yeah, there you it's go. It's all based on participation. So stay involved, visit that Bass Edge Facebook page, Twitter handle, and um, stay tuned, folks. There's going to be a lot of really cool stuff coming your way. But right now, we've got coming your way a tackle tip. Let's move right into it. ProtectTheHarvest.com. ProtectTheHarvest.com tackle tip with Casey Scanlon. Hey guys, Casey Scanlon here. Going to talk quickly about changing the hooks on your crankbaits. You know, when we're using treble hooks, I don't think anglers change their hooks out often enough. And the more you change them, the more fish that you're going to catch. So I like to change these to aftermarket hooks. I'm using Hayabusa TBL 930 hooks. They're the sharpest, stickiest hooks you can get. I'm changing out my crankbaits, you know, several times a day. I'm going to change those hooks out, and it's going to result in a lot more fish catches and a lot better tournament fishes when you catch all of those fish that bite a crankbait. So be sure to change your hooks out with the sharpest hooks you can get and do it several times 
times a day because they're going to get dull as you're banging them around stomps, rocks, or whatever you're fishing. So be sure to change those out and catch a lot more fish. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine Products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas synthetic-based oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and Marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. Nitro Performance Fishing Boats is now the official boat of Bass Edge Radio. Be sure to check out the Nitro Z-Series Performance Fishing Boats. The 2017 lineup features five boats ranging from 17.4 up to 21 foot 2 inches. Two new models for 2017 include the Nitro Z-17, our entry-level bass boat at 17 foot 4 inches and rated for 115 horsepower. The flagship of the Nitro lineup, the Nitro Z-21 at 21.2 in length. Its performance and fishability is unmatched. Designed with input from top elite pros like KVD, Edwin Evers, Rick Klun, and Ott Defoe, Nitro Performance Fishing Boats. Champions aren't born, they're made. Well, Kurt, exciting news. I'm sure you received and have seen all of the media surrounding the newest press release. I heard from Lawrence. And it's concerning the Carbon 16, you know, just when we thought the 12-inch screen was, you know, the granddaddy of all, which we know it is. Now we're looking forward to uh, kind of getting our hands on this this new Carbon 16. I'm not so sure you're going to break me away from my 12s, though. So do you double up now on the 16s? You know, a lot of guys <laughs> doubling up on 12s. Is the 16 replacing the double up? Or is the 16 meant to have that much more screen space with two 16s? I, I cannot see. I'm sure there will be somebody that puts, you know, two 16s on the on the dash and two up front. Me personally, no, because I don't currently I don't have the two 12s on the dash and the two 12s up front. But, you know, I've got to believe that the 16s is trying to, you know, give anglers those options who are running the double graphs just so that they can actually have one piece of hardware and the networking and, you know, all of those types. Types of things. But if they do run four, Kurt, you know, that's a pretty hefty investment. 20K to run four. There w- we will see some fours out there, but I-, I agree. I believe the 16 has come out to replace the dual unit needs. So uh, I think the 16 is going to be big enough. So guys that were running, you know, dual nines or dual 12s can just run a 16 and get the same feel, same flavor. So um, I think it's a great product that Lawrence came out with, obviously, um, because it was getting, you know, I mean, you're, you're looking at dual 12s, you know, you know, you're looking at six grand ballpark now you can just have a 16 and you're looking at five grand so you're actually saving a thousand bucks so I, I like that I, I do not run dual graphs I'm just running 12s but um, what I'm most excited about with this carbon is the uh, faster processor uh, Lawrence is already speedy but let's face it when you're searching the internet if it doesn't come immediately you're like come on dude come on come on come on so always love faster processors faster speeds it's going to make the mapping work that much better it's going to give us uh, continued additional capabilities to use these units to find and locate bass, which Lawrence has. They're they're the king, man. They, yeah, they, they pioneered it. I mean, that's what I yeah. grew up on, and that's how I learned how to deep fish. I mean, so yep. it wasn't from a sponsor situation. It's you know, it was out of necessity back then. But hey, you know, not to completely go to the opposite end of the spectrum. 
but something that were the graphs and some of this technology that we speak of that's actually on a boat. You know, it's kind of that time of year, Kurt. I was, I was thinking the other day when I was at a tournament that's been a few weeks back, but I saw a lot of bank fishermen, right? You know, and, yeah. and that kind of threw me back to when I would get on on my bicycle or, or growing up on a farm, going down to our, our farm ponds there and just grabbing a handful of baits and, and walking the shoreline and kind of fishing for whatever would bite the end of my line. And, and I, I'm starting to see a lot of people kind of get out there and get that done with the temperatures warming but also just because I think our sport is growing and there's an interest. Yeah, there's no question. I, and I think there's a couple of key things that maybe if, if some bank fishermen are, are listening to Bass Edge, which I'm, I'm sure there's plenty out there listening, a couple tips I want to throw at them because same deal, man. I used to, you know, go down to the to the local lakes. I grew up fishing, you know, a few little lakes in my area, one Lake Braddock, one Lake Burton over there in Northern Virginia area. But um, a lot of times you see people casting directly out from the bank. Especially in the springtime, I really want to push the fact that fish parallel to the bank whenever possible, whether it's throwing a buzz bait or a lipless crankbait or a square bill, whatever it is that you're fishing, try to fish some of your bank parallel because there's a lot of fish moving toward the bank. And that also when you're walking the bank, you're going to be spooking fish because obviously you're standing right on top of them. So make sure that you're casting down the bank parallel. That can put definitely a lot more fish in your grasp there, fish in the bank. And and secondarily is when you're throwing plastics and you're getting to, you know, maybe some of these these lakes that have a lot of snot grass or silt, you know. Yeah, like moss and algae. Exactly. Exactly. Make sure you go to those presentations that are weightless. Um, There's, you know, everybody knows the Cinco, but there's a lot more out there, you know, like a a, a soft stick bait, you know, like a fluke, um, something of that nature or swim baits. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of optimum swim baits. So um, any kind of swim bait can be really, really effective also for a bank angler that has to combat some of those things in in smaller ponds and smaller lakes. So uh, just a couple quick tips there that'll help some of our our guys that are fishing off the bank, you know, catch a few more fish and and have more fun out there. What what do you think, Aaron? You got anything for them? Yeah, good stuff right there. The only thing that I would add is remember that when you're fishing from the bank, like you said, and especially when you're paralleling, look for those little pieces of maybe an indentation or a point that comes out and things that you can only see by actually looking down the shoreline because generally in the springtime those are going to be staging areas before right as we're approaching the spawn in many areas or even post spawn for some areas those are going to be those areas where the fish will be hanging out and then finally is you brought up a a very good point as far as not spooking the fish be present if the water is really clear I'm a big believer when I'm fishing the bank or whether there's there's fish on bed or what have you wear colors that is going to try to blend in with the surroundings uh yeah. you know I'm, I'm not necessarily yeah. a big fan of wearing hunter orange when i'm out there and there's clear water so right. anyway right. great tips kurt great tips yeah. uh, for our yeah. bank fishermen and speaking of uh great tips we have another keyed up lucas oil angler spotlight guest that uh i'm looking forward to have You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. 
I am Marcus Sakura, FLW All-American Champion. Hi, this is 2014 Bassmaster Classic Champion Randy Howell. This is BASS Elite Angler Boy Duckett. I'm BASS Elite Pro Aunt Defoe. Hi, I'm Bass Pro Shops Angler Casey Scanlon with you right here on Bass Edge Radio. Well, guys, we have a Bass Edge rookie, not only a Bass Edge rookie, but an Elite Series rookie with us today in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. Not many New Yorkers have made the push through to fish the BAS's Elite Series, and this guy has a great shot to make a long career out of this game. Welcome to the podcast, Pro Angler Jamie Hartman. We appreciate you joining us on Bass Edge, Jamie. Good morning, guys. How are you? Great, Jamie. Glad you're here. It's great to have you on the show, and you know, we were joking around at the beginning of the episode that uh, the kind of the Bass Edge rookies that we have on here, they have a, a, this propensity to do very well, but you've already kind of came out of the gates on fire out of Lake Cherokee, finishing second place in your first elite event. How was that experience for you? Oh, man. I'll tell you, that experience was absolutely incredible. It was a little surreal at the time. Uh, it was the first deal. You know, I was more nervous going to the meeting pre-meeting for the <laughs> tournament than actually when I got into the tournament I was so focused at the tournament but the meetings is where I was shaking I, I was just like in awe you know I was sitting there and 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 Tripp's doing his deal and uh you know he's giving out the rules and whatnot and I kind of glanced over and looking at the guys you know I like looked over and I seen Rick Clun look at me and I just kind of turned my head like dude I didn't look at you don't don't worry I wasn't looking at you <laughs> that's funny you man. know when I got my gear on and I got out there and I got focused it was just like another day on the water I had a pass at hand and uh, I stayed focused the whole time I was incredibly calm I, I was shocked myself actually but uh, that's the way that went down I mean it was absolutely incredible it really hit me afterwards more than during the tournament so. so there was there was no auditing of the class or auditing of the tournament you jumped right in and after that pre-meeting you went to work I did yes I was pretty confident going into that event which helped a lot um, I had a great pre-practice I had a decent practice for our uh, the two and a half days that they give us to practice there and um, it was decent I had a little bit of concern a lot of areas that I had found fish in for pre-pre-practice was kind of dead, but I knew I had a bunch of fish in a couple different areas, so I was kind of confident, especially in the technique that we were doing. I was I was confident in it. So yeah, mm-hmm. I definitely want to dive into that. You know, the Cherokee that first event of the year is one of those tournaments, specifically where they had it this year and the time of year that you know you could get into that pre-practice mode like you're talking about, and kind of the fish wouldn't change a whole lot pattern-wise, right? I mean, some of the things right. that you were able to find when you were there before the 30-day off limits kind of held true would that be correct to say that is correct yeah it played right into my hand and well i mean anybody who went in pre pre practice it played in my hand because i got there in, in the middle to latter part of december so even though they didn't have a lot of cool weather i mean it's december it's going into january those fish are in right. wintering mode anyways but they were still coming to the wintering areas when i was there so i did get a chance to find those fish in those wintering areas smallmouth winter they go deep they get on the bait they get on the shad and that's kind of where they hang out and there's like depressions and channel swings and stuff like that where it's deeper and they use those areas so i was able to find all those areas beforehand and and really narrow it down to where i felt where they were going to stay and they were going to replenish 
Right. So nice that's, that's how I did it. Well, I'm really interested in specifically in the t- some of the techniques that was used. You know, it seemed like eight or 10 of the top 12 were fishing the same technique. And, and it seemed to be one that not a whole lot of people knew yeah, as far as throughout the country, knew, knew a whole lot about, you know, whether it's you, you have this tight lining or Demiki rig. Can you explain to our listeners the technique that served you so well in the event and why you feel like it played such a huge role for so many anglers? Yeah. Yeah, doing research before I went there, there was a few different patterns that was supposed to come into play. Um, you know, a lot of it was small swim baits on bluff walls, their 45 degree banks, tight lining, and then this Demiki rig. Well, in my pre-practice, when fish were still kind of scattered and shallow, I mean, I was there for I don't know a week, week and a half, I think it was. It, within that time, I eliminated the swim bait deal and I eliminated the tight line deal. It's just they were smaller fish, like it was inconsistent. But when you got offshore and you got into the wintering holes, that Demiki rig absolutely shined. It's unexplainable, really. I mean, you could drop shot, you could throw this, and you can throw that, and they just don't eat it. I don't get it, but That's I'm crazy. not going to argue with it. You know, <laughs> right. uh, you know, drop shot, and every once in a while, you pick one up on a drop shot, and it was never a, a good fish. There's just something about that Demiki rig that just worked. I mean, I'm not going to argue with it, and it works. It, it, it's true there. Um, a lot of the locals were using it. That's how I found out. I mean, just doing research and whatnot. Right, um, right. That thing is just in, incredible on those wintering smallmouth. It's just an in-your-face deal. You know, you drop it down, um, you're just really lightly shaking it, just enough to attract them, and they just come up and kind of slurp it in. It's let's, incredible let's, how it works. Let's dive into this a little bit. First, you know, tight lining. That's not something that, that I'm really familiar with. And, and, of course, I've heard some of the terminology, seen some stuff on YouTube. But let's talk about that real quick first, even though that mm-hmm. wasn't your primary deal. Explain tight lining, exactly what you're trying to do, and kind of your setup. What's the tight lining deal? Tight lining is a technique for also for wintertime smallmouth where they're a little more lethargic when it's not super, super cold, or it can be, but before they get into the serious wintering mode where they go deeper, they get on these 45-degree banks. Uh, basically, I guess they come up to cruise and to uh, to feed, you know, but they're still lethargic. Right. So this tight line and deal, um, you're throwing like a, you know, you want a seven-foot medium light rod, something real light, and you're throwing four to six-pound test on a little tiny eight-ounce jig head. And they take um, a three-inch gulp minnow, and you kind of thread that on. And what you're doing is you're throwing towards the bank, you let the drop just a little bit and you're really shaking that rod tip and your reel is absolutely barely turning so it's just like a, a dying bait fish just kind of shimmering and it comes all the way back to the boat and they just come up they just slurp it in i mean you're twitching twitching and you don't even realize they eat it and you kind of see your line moving a little bit but the hooks are really tiny i mean it's a gotcha. risky uh way to catch them but it, it does work but i never got any quality bites doing it gotcha and, and so it's not bottom oriented it's basically you're kind of working it down that 45, but more for fish that are slightly suspended. So you're not really bouncing the bottom. You're just kind of keeping it off the bottom. Okay. That makes sense. So you don't want it on the bottom. Yeah. So then let's go to uh, Demiki, this Demiki rig. How is this deal set up and and kind of what's the process with this technique? Um, This is a little fluke style bait. That's all it kind of looks like. You took a fluke and squished it all the way down to three inches. Um, (laughs) Right. There ain't much to it. You know, it's a piece of plastic with a split 
itself. I think a lot of it has to do in the jig head itself. Okay. Um, when I was there in pre-practice, they had some local stores and whatnot that had these jig heads in them. And they had a kind of real light wire hook. Uh, it's called a stickle hook, actually kind of weird shape and the line tie was good it's a 90 you have to have a 90 degree line tie on it the okay. base absolutely has to sit horizontal if it slides to a little bit vertical or 45 or something like that they just don't need it it has to sit horizontal huh, um, okay. so i found myself retying on that several times throughout the day you're not would start to slip or get a little you know loose or whatnot your paint would wear off on the inside of the jig head or whatnot is there a certain uh, knot that you I, use it's a san diego knot the san diego clinch knot um it's real tight it's super secure um that's the tightest knot that i can get on and that's what i use mostly with all my fluorocarbon anyway and the tighter you can get that knot so it doesn't slide inside of the hook eye that's the best way to go i mean as tight as you can get it so it'll sit horizontal and as far as rod and reel line setup still doing that you know four to six pound test light uh, line no, or? no you can jump up on that the line size i went to 10 pound um okay i ended up fishing with eight pound when i was there in pre-practice i had some fish bust off plus <laughs> the stripers there are crazy uh, <laughs> i mix, can imagine one of those on right like in. eight yeah that'd be fun <laughs> yeah dude they're, they're nuts i mean you know when you hook one of them that's for sure you know they'll break you off they'll scream your line and whatnot but even in practice i had some small mouth i would eat it and i'd get into them and they'd bust off but I figured, you know, and during the tournament, I never broke a fish off only because I was adamant about retying. Every fish, every other fish, I checked that line, checked that line. If I just seen anything or felt anything, I'd just retie it right away or I'd just retie anyway. And I never did break one off. But I went to eight pound. That's what I stuck with. I figured, you know, if they're going to be more finicky, I'm just going to run with eight pound. I got away with 10 pound in practice, but I said, you know, lighter, better, just try to get away with that line size. But it held up fine. It was it was good. Is this a situation where you're doing any kind of braid to fluoro or did you find it was really necessary to stay straight fluoro? No, I went braid to fluoro. Braid to fluoro, it was real quick on the drop and it was super, super sensitive. You got to get on them. Sometimes they suck it in and they blow it back out. You know, okay. you feel that sometimes very seldom because I had braid. I did try it with straight fluorocarbon because I did break off in, in a couple situations in pre-practice. So what I did was I went to a lighter rod. I went to a seven foot uh, medium rod, uh, this caching rod. So it's, it's our drop shot rod. It's basically, that's all I did to use my drop shot rod. And it has a real soft tip to it. So I downsized to that. I was using a medium heavy to begin with. And then when I, you know, broke a couple fish off, I'm like, all right, I just got to adjust. And I went to our drop shot rod. Um, I ran 15 pound high seas braid to eight pound fluorocarbon, high seas fluorocarbon. That was my best setup. That way, even when they bit it, you could set the hook on it and I wouldn't break off on them. Having that lighter tip was definitely the deal, but it was so sensitive and you could you knew when they were going to bite it anyway. You could see them on the grass, but they'd come up and you'd just be really shaking that rod tip a little bit. Every time when you set that hook, that would drive that, that hook right up through the roof of their mouth. And I think that was key to having the braid versus soil carbon. I would say for sure. Man, that is a uh, that's a master's class right there on those two techniques. And guys like myself and Bass Edge Nation, you know, come to yourself and Kurt, guys that really get to spend a lot of time on the water because our time, right, is limited. Perhaps we're working around vacation, work schedules, family schedules, all the above. But you being a northern guy, have you found that 
the southern fisheries to be challenging to feel comfortable on and what you do to help cope with kind of that limited experience from fishing other venues you know in the series like you were talking about you're at the meeting and you're a nervous wreck because you're you, you look over at, at rick clun and you know he has years 25 years of experience on fisheries that you guys go to yeah i'm at a big disadvantage i feel like and I felt like coming into this as we moved south. It's basically trying to get your experience on the water and that's what I've been doing. I've left the house back in December and I haven't been back yet because I've been on the road and I've been going to these southern fisheries to try to learn them as fast as I possibly can. I realize that I'm at a big disadvantage because I've never been this far south fishing these these bodies of water um you got different situations with lakes and reservoirs and whatnot so i'm trying to put as much time in as i possibly can to try to catch up a little bit but the biggest challenge here down in the south is really trying to stay with the movement of the fish with the way they have our schedule it's basically around spawn time so you got pre spawn you've got spawn and you've got post spawn fish so i'm trying to learn how to stay with that pattern plus i've been always a month and a half to two months ahead uh before our tournament to try to learn to where they are and where they're going to go and how they act that kind of stuff so i've spent a lot of time sitting in that seat on my nitro and just idling and, and graphing and looking and looking at you know their their travel routes and that kind of stuff um so it's definitely a challenge, without a doubt, but I think I'm breaking it down a little bit and feeling a little more comfortable with it. Well, it sounds like you're definitely putting in the time, and, and I think uh, anybody that's been in the sport a long time and has a whole lot of experience always says, you know, there's no replacement for time on the water, and, and Jamie, you're definitely doing that. So I tell you what, we're going to take a quick break. Bass Edge listeners, we're going to be right back with Jamie Hartman. O'Reilly. Sign up to become an O'Reilly O Rewards member today and start earning instantly. O Rewards members earn $5 back for every $150 they spend, so if you haven't become a member yet, what are you waiting for? It's fast, easy, and free. O Rewards, it's your road to exclusive offers only at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. See store for details. O, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Bass Edge Radio brought to you in part by Nitro Boats returns with BASS elite rookie Jamie Hartman in the Lucas Oil Industry Spotlight. That's right, Lucas Oil high-performance marine products from real oils to two-cycle outboard oil that surpasses all manufacturers' requirements. Visit them at lucasoil.com. It works. Jamie, this is the million-dollar question. So at this point, what do you see as the most challenging aspects of fishing the Elite Series on your first year? And basically just the whole aspect of launching a career in the sport. Oh, man. I guess the most challenging part to me is learning the southern fisheries. That's all it is. I mean, fishing is fishing, guys. I mean, you go out there, you do your thing. You know, you already have all your basics done. You have your knowledge of how to fish it's finding the fish you know when you get to this level it's not like you know what am i going to throw what am i going to do for the day it, it, you got to find them fish once you find them you can kind of catch them um you do have to learn a few different techniques on how to catch them i felt like throughout this southern swing here but um the most challenging thing is, is finding those fish patterns the elite series has all the top dogs we all know that so if you don't hang with them, you're going to fall. 
time on the water is is just huge here trying to catch up with all these guys with all their experience i feel you know i'm I'm way way behind on that but i'm trying to catch up as quick as possible basically the biggest challenge is learning these southern lakes so that's pretty much all it is jamie when you're you know we all know the expense is pretty high once you get to you know fishing the elite series and and um it's definitely it can be challenging to kind of launch that portion and and work the sponsor thing and in that type of situation if you had some advice now that you've kind of gone through that process, what would you tell the next angler that qualifies through the Northern Opens for the Elite Series? What, what's some advice that you can give them that maybe help them along their road before they make that first cast at their rookie season elite event? Put as much time into it as possible. Like with my opportunity, when I found out it was in October, and I'll tell you, I did so much work within the first two months of learning that I did qualify for the elite. I learned a ton in a short amount of time. Just legwork. That's all it is, is legwork. Making phone calls, making emails, talking to this person, talking to that person. I didn't sleep at night. I just, it was all that was on my brain. And my biggest advice is get it done as quick as you possibly can because that's one aspect of it that you don't want to have to worry about during the season. Get it done with, it's going to draw out, but get it off your brain. That was my main thing. And I knew that. I know that about myself. I don't want that on the back of my burner throughout the season. You want to focus on the fishing. That's why we do this. We fish. You know, it's not so that we can gain sponsor dollars. We're doing it to fish and then as soon as we're done fishing, we're back taking care of our sponsors, doing what we're supposed to do for them. That's the business aspect of it. So get it done with so you can focus on the task at hand, which is fishing. Well, I certainly can say that uh, I think in the eight or nine years that we've been doing this, it seems like guys like yourself, Jamie and Kurt, and, and all the great anglers that we've interviewed down through the years, no one is lacking in work ethic, right? But the unique thing is that each of you have these characteristics or these strengths that you guys can always lean on. And, and you kind of spoke about that a little bit earlier, but if you were to quantify those, explain a little bit of as far as what your strengths are as an angler and how you try to take advantage of those in these unfamiliar situations and, and new bodies of water. You know, I've been asked a lot of times since I've jumped into this, what's my number one technique? What's my favorite technique? I'm not narrowed down onto something. I like offshore fishing, but it's not like I'm narrowed down. I got to be able to do it all. Um, survive on this deal. You got to be versatile. You can have your strengths, which are going to shine throughout a few of the tournaments, but to survive and and to really make a career out of it, you got to be versatile. But I figure my biggest strength is, is attention to detail. It's not just the fishing strength. You know, the offshore thing is what I really like. So I have this uncanny way of reading what's under the water just by running over it just a couple times with the graph. If I were to drop a marker or just drop a waypoint, I could turn around and I kind of vision what's under the water there. Um, on how to read it and how to fish it and getting your angles down. I guess that comes from smallmouth fishing up north because it's all about where they position on a certain little rock pile or a point or something like that. So envisioning what's under the water and really getting those angles down, I think that's one of my biggest strengths. Well, smallmouth is my big strength, so I'm really, really looking forward to getting back up north. When we get done with our southern swing and get back up north, smallmouth is, is definitely my deal, so I'm really, really looking forward to that. 
Well, he definitely showed it at Cherokee. <laughs> so even <Yeah>. Southern smallmouth, <laughs> you're good there. So that that's good. It'll be fun to watch. And Bass Edge listeners, I like that fantasy fishing. You got you got to make sure you stay with Hartman when he goes up north. If you look at his Bassmaster record at Oneida, and I don't think that you're not going to Oneida on the elites this year, but I'm sure Champlain and Thousand Islands, obviously both in your backyard. You better take notice because I think Jamie's probably going to be a pretty good fantasy pick. But uh, I know there's many anglers in New York that were happy to see you go to the elites, dude. Uh, mostly because they were tired of you taking their money. <laughs> but yeah. what, what do you feel was the key to your success in the Northeast fisheries the past several years? And what advice can you give your buddies, your comrades up north to help them maybe take over that dominating role you had while you're out fishing on the national tour? Um, yeah, I've gotten a few texts and messages and whatnot jokingly that, you know, they're, they're glad to see me go. <laughs> But uh, I bet. they're all great guys. You know, they're all joking and whatnot. But uh, time on the water, I, I always put my time in. <laughs> That's my one of my top advice picks for, you know, getting consistent and staying on the top is you got to put your time in. Being in the Northeast, we have a spawn, it's done. You know, if we fish during the spawn, great. You can whack the crap out of them. And then it's done. Like, it's not like the Southern Palmets where it really draws out. So getting out there, staying with them fish on that time, just putting your time in is so critical. But it's really paying attention to detail. When I say that, when you get out there fishing, I see a lot of guys when we fish an area or, you know, there's a bunch of boats in an area, like a community area or whatnot, always find something different. Pay attention to the detail. You can always find a spot within a spot and several spots within a spot. Find out why you're catching them where you're catching them or why that fish was where he was. You can randomly catch fish, yes, but when you start breaking it down and really figuring out why, that's what I always ask myself, even when I'm scouting and I'm offshore fishing and I find an area with fish or I'm looking for an area with fish, I ask myself why. That's what I always do. Why would they be here? How could they get here? Why would they get here? And that just starts to answer a lot of questions in your head instead of getting all confused and just randomly fishing. You know, break it down and ask yourself why. That's an awesome approach, man. I enjoyed listening to that. And I think all of us can uh, really see that detail, not only just in your conversation, but how you break that down um, from place to place. But I tell you what, let's roll Roll into the O'Reilly Auto Parts Better Parts, Better Prices Every Day Listener Question Segment. I thought this was right down your alley. This question comes from Brady. Dude, I am going to butcher good, this. Good luck with this one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Brady. <laughs> Wolstenholm from Utah. Brady asks, I live in Utah. The lakes that I love to fish for small and largemouth bass freeze over in the winter. Right down your alley, right, Hartman? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> what, yeah. what is the best way to start fishing? for smallmouth when the ice comes off in mid-March to April? Well, I can relate to that pretty good. Uh, we do that. I'll use Oneida Lake as an example. When the ice comes off, I've been on Oneida Lake when there's big ice chunks still floating around. Half the, the lake is still frozen. Like, you can't get out there if you got a, a west wind or an east wind because if the, if the ice is on one side, it's going to blow into you and 
you know, you're stuck out there for the day or whatnot. So I've really pushed it. When you get that ice come off of there and you can get out there, they're still wintering. It doesn't matter if there's ice over their head or they're not. So smallmouth get into those wintering spots. Um, you want to find those offshore pumps. If you could find rock, rock is absolutely key. And you don't need a lot of depth change if you're out there in say the channel and you got 30 foot 32 foot and all of a sudden you got a 29 foot little hump it's got rock on it. you want to find structure there's got to be some kind of structure down there to hold them if you can find the bait down there or whatnot but when you do locate these areas that you want to fish you really 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 have to fish slow Super, super slow on the bottom. I don't get any reaction bites with blade baits and whatnot. It's always fishing slow. So little tiny baits, little tubes. Um, my favorite thing is a little twin tail grub and just really, 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 really working the slow. And you're not going to feel the bite. It's going to get real mushy. As the, the day goes on, sometimes that sun, either they get a little more aggressive, they start seeing that sun or whatnot. Um, you'll start to feel the bites a little bit better. But my best advice for that is get on the bottom and work it super, super slow. That's certainly good advice. And Brady, <laughs> thanks for sending in that question. And Jamie, certainly thanks for your response. Brady, take this down, take note. Please be sure to email us again as support at Bass Edge or simply go to our website, BassEdge.com and click on that claim your prize tab. One thing you need to be sure to include is your mailing address so that we know where to send out that O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card for having your question answered on this episode of Bass Edge. And listeners, we appreciate you sending in all these questions. We've got a great stash of uh, questions to come, so keep them coming. We'll probably do another session of question marathon in a future episode, but uh, you don't have a shot at winning that O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card unless you send in those questions. So do that again through our website or support at BassEdge.com. And always keep abreast of our Facebook and Twitter media pages. We've been giving away lots of awesome keel guards and there's bass angler magazine gift certificates just a lot of great stuff so be sure you stay tuned to the social media well jamie it was certainly a pleasure getting to know you on the episode today and then certainly wish you the best of luck in the remaining tournaments certainly be rooting for you up in uh, all tournaments but certainly when you get to that northeast you are definitely going to be one to watch any final words or closing thoughts as we uh, close down no i really appreciate it guys it's been great talking to you great getting to know you i'm just really looking forward to getting back into that northern swing definitely getting back up in a little bit familiar water uh, surviving down here and getting back up there so <laughs> definitely looking forward to that that's right being close to home is always a welcome isn't it <laughs> yes it is all right <laughs> familiar well, faces too that's exactly right well appreciate you working us into your schedule i know it's busy out there i'm gonna send you off with our final segment four last questions for you if you were a brand what would be your motto I would say live your dream. I mean, if you have a dream, live it because it can happen. I never thought I'd be where I'm at right now. I dreamed about it all the time. Just do it, man. You only live once. That's what I say. You only live once. Do it. Just try it. If you succeed, awesome. If you don't, you can say you did. Very good. Would you catch a fish on the first cast of the day? Heck no. I throw it back. I shake it off. (laughs) (laughs) You just won the next (laughs) national tournament. Who do you say thanks to first uh first i'd have to say thanks to my sponsors but a close second would be all the community support that i had coming out of new york the community support was absolutely awesome 
it still is. So uh, the the sponsors that kick up the dollars would get my first response. And a close second is all the people that support me. Awesome. And what is your favorite lake? I'm going to have to say Lake Oneida. Definitely my, one of my favorites for sure. That's awesome. Well, a quick look at your stats shows that it likes you too. So uh, thanks, Jamie. I appreciate you being on Bass Edge Radio. We'll be right back. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. That was a pleasure having Mr. Hartman on the show. That guy's got it dialed in in a lot of different ways. And and a couple of key points that I took away from his interview is one, paying attention to the details. The guy is super detail-oriented, whether it comes from his rod selection or if it comes from what size line he's using or, or if it comes from he, – he talked about it. One of his strengths is kind of visualizing what's underneath the water in some great detail. So he can understand more about how to attack those fish and how they're setting up and what are some of the best ways to catch them. Yeah, versatility, obviously, we've heard it time and time again. I think it's just the mantra of Bass Edge Radio and actually with anglers. You've got to be versatile. Uh, San Diego Cinch Knot, one of the things that I took from that when we were talking about that bait had to remain perfectly horizontal in the water column, you know, retying using that San Diego Cinch Knot to make that happen. Those are little things that make a big difference, Kurt. We've all been there. You bet. And one other thing that uh, uh, you know, we, we talk about some here on the show, but really driven home by Jamie and, and especially his his need and desire to kind of push this career to another level. He's coming from up north. He's fishing against these guys that have a lot of experience down south. What's he doing? He's doing as much research as possible, but most importantly, spending time on the water. Can't stress it enough. Um, you know, we go back a couple weeks ago, listening to Jordan Lee at the Bassmasters Classic. Kid's 25 years old, wins the whole show. One of his big things is... I have spent a lot of time on the water. And it's not easy to do. It's very difficult. It is a commitment. Jamie Hartman has made that commitment, and he is probably going to reap some pretty good rewards from that commitment. So time on the water, super critical. Well, speaking of time on the water, our goal here is obviously to give you the information to make you better and put you into uh, better situations. But us chattering anymore is actually being counterproductive. Hopefully, you're going to be heading to the water, if not today, sometime in the near future. For Kurt Dove and the rest of the Bass Edge crew, I am Aaron Martin. We look forward to seeing you May 1st on episode number 255. So long, everybody. The Edge 
is presented by MegaWare KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Lucas Oil, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, Lawrence Electronics, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com.